0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, and we've been doing something. We've, well, we're getting around to doing something that we've, I think, been wanting to do for a while now, and that is, well, Stephen, this is this is something you've been wanting to do. What are we doing today?
1: Uh, we're going to do our top 10 players in the WNBA. We, over the offseason, of course, did our positional rankings uh, and never did quite get around to kind of combining that list to be all-encompassing with the short turnaround between, you know, when the draft was announced and then when, when the actual schedule was announced to when the schedule started, you know, we were doing three episodes a week there leading up to the season. Uh, so, so this kind of got pushed to the back burner and figured we'd do it now.
0: Yeah. Uh, our top 10 players list this, of course, just um, in case anyone has listened to this and hasn't really listened to us do a, a ranking or a, a tiering, uh, before we we go into this blind insofar far as we don't know which what each other's list looks like and, of course, we try to be very respectful and objective and you know respect each other's opinions and whatnot so if you're looking for a a show full of hot takes and and arguments and and, and back and forth and in flames and chaos, this is probably not going to be for you, um, but we just we like uh, analyzing basketball and, and, and talking about it so uh, Figured we kind of throw our hats in the ring here, um, Stephen. Anything?
1: Hopefully, this will be uh, our lists. Will have a little bit more divergency to each other than our all-star lists did, which I think had one uh, different player. From right. Each other. Uh, yeah. But if I remember correctly, when we were doing the positional stuff, it, it would it would vary pretty.
0: Of course, and of course, and when doing an exercise like this, it's it's important to know that uh, each of us is, of course, going to have different processes. Um, I think both of us, uh, to be fair, both of us kind of agreed upon. You know, like who is being ranked in the top 10 right now, as far as, you know, uh, in, in in contrast to, you know, who we're going to take three years into the future, five, five years into the future, which is also a fun exercise in itself, but um, this is the here and now, correct?
1: Yeah. So how I kind of thought about it was like, you know, if we were starting the regular season now through one regular season and playoff run, you know, who you're kind of wanting on your team to, Uh, to put together your best hopes to win the championship. I think that's every team's ultimate goal. So this is right now, this isn't for who we're projecting five years from now, but also, you know, players who are extremely accomplished, you know, Hall of Fame players, uh, but perhaps long in the tooth, uh, you know, looking at the Team USA backcourt, how effective you are right now in moving Not naming any names. Yeah, not naming any names, but we you know the names. You know, one other thing I, I think we should mention is just the players who you know, we would love to include her on this list, but we just haven't seen like Elena Della Don. I, I was hoping to include her on this list, you know, hoping she would have appeared in a game or two by now, you know, by the time we record it. Um, but I, I couldn't include a player who we haven't seen, you know, in 22 months on this list. Uh, another player, Angel McCautry, who, you know, if she was healthy and having the same season that she just had in 2020, she would definitely, I think, be on the lower part of my top 10. But of course, uh, you know, another ACL. So I had a I did not include her in this list as well. Anything else you, you know, wanted to talk about with regards to your process?
0: Um, first of all, my process was, you know, 10 is, of course, an arbitrary number, but it sounds nice. Um, my process was more along the lines of, um, I actually went back to tiering and, and thought like, okay, who, who are the clear best players in the world? Who are players, you know, who could who could be the best team, who could lead a team to a championship? who are players who are very, very good, but maybe could not see them being the best players in a championship team kind of along those lines. Cause I feel like when you're discussing, there are so many great players in the WNBA um, and a lot of them play the same or similar positions as I, you know, as as we quickly uh, realize when we're doing lists like these. So maybe like comparing and contrasting their skills and how much importance we place on those skills, you know, as far as centers go, for instance, um, there are a lot of amazing centers in the league and each of them excel at different things. so which how much importance do you place on defense, rebounding, offense, versatility, so on and so forth. So those are the things that I kind of took into account here um but it's it's of course trying to hit a moving target the, the name of the game is just to have fun on this. so um without further ado, would you like to uh, get started here? sure i I uh,
1: we can kick it off with I had a three player tier uh, atop uh, and number one, you know these are kind of what I would consider players you know in serious contention for being the best player in the world uh number one on that list i had brianna stewart um i think Sh- stewart is the the best offensive player certainly in this tier of three that i have um a different type of defender than the other two i think uh brings a little bit more more mobility uh on defense a little bit better in uh guarding out on the perimeter um and and you know the resume kind of speaks for itself uh an, an mvp a Two-time finals MVP. The Storm have been dominant, you know, for for a few years now. Not the efficiency we're really used to seeing from Brianna Stewart. Um, but it's it's a different team that they're, you know, rolling out this year, the Storm. And uh despite that, you know, they are as as favored as any team out there to compete for the title. And and it's because Brianna Stewart is, in my opinion, the best player in the world.
0: Well said. I also had Brianna Stewart at number one. Um, Although I kind of had her in in a tier her own. I think if Elena Deladon was healthy, she could give Brianna Stewart a run for her money in this best of the best tier. But unfortunately, you know, Deladon um, still recovering from that back procedure. So in my opinion, Brianna Stewart stands alone as as the best player in the world. Uh, You know, like I said before, when I was looking at these players and I was evaluating like what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, I had a very difficult time coming up with specific weaknesses for Brianna Stewart. You know, maybe she's not the the strongest player individually. You know, her shot selection could be better, but you could say that about just about any player on this on this list. Um she does it all. Uh she's she can take over a game in basically any phase, offensively, defensively on the glass. Um, she's a really good passer for someone of her size. She moves incredibly well for a player of her size. Just has great instincts on both ends of the floor. I mean, I'm not sure what else I can say that hasn't already been said.
1: Yeah, I, times. I can, you know, talk about, I, I guess, why someone maybe would have a, a couple of those other players that I have in this tier over Stewart. You okay, know, that's she, a good idea. She's maybe, you know, she wouldn't maybe hold up as well against the best back to the basket post players. You know, the very strongest players, uh, in terms of, you know, players that that can put defenders in the goal. You know, I think I would take the the two players I have right below Stewart over her in that one regard you know i don't think she really has the same type of and, and you know feel free to disagree with this but you know there's there's 40 seconds on the clock you're down one that the same type of undeniability just as like a, okay let's dump it down and get the hell out of the way as like asia wilson does i think it, well asia is probably number 1 you know in the league in, in that type of i guess you know undeniability like like i said before you know she's not really going to, she's not the offensive rebounder maybe that some of the best uh bigs in the league are but you know i I don't think I really value offensive rebounding all that much uh, in terms of like having it be, you know, something that's going to kind of knock her off for of that top spot. But, you know, these are players that, that I think are, are, are all in the conversation. So just kind of want to present the other side of the coin, but obviously still have Stewart number one for sure. Okay.
0: Well, I, I mean, I, I wasn't saying she, she's the best at everything. Yeah, saying, sure. I, of I course. Think, I think her game is the most well-rounded, but um, yeah. And, and I yeah. would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, no, we got that out of the way. Uh Stuart, number one for both of us. I think. Who are who are your other two players in this tier?
1: So number two, I have, I think the front runner, front runner at this point for MVP, John quell Jones, uh, right. a player who I think uh I had maybe you know fourth or fifth in terms of bigs coming into the season. And, and she's she's kind of shot back up the, the rankings for me. I think she is, you know, probably the third best self-creator of this this three player group I have I think she is probably the worst defending out on the perimeter of this three player group that I have but you know she's in her fifth WNBA season right now and she's a career 38 percent three-point shooter a career 56 percent two-point shooter so just a massively efficient player and then obviously you know down low like she's she's a great rebounder she's a great defender in the things that she does well even if she's not a perfectly well-rounded defender
0: what uh be more specific on on, on the defensive end because now i'm curious what in terms of, of
1: well I, I you know she's she's great protecting the rim i i don't know if you necessarily want her like switching out on guards um okay, i agree and you know i think you are kind of limited in terms like you want to play a very conventional defensive scheme when you have jonquil jones but you could do that very effectively
0: okay that's that's well said yeah i also had jonquil this is very tough for me um I was really waffling back and forth when I was thinking about John Jonquil versus Asia Wilson in this in this uh, discussion because they're both so good and they're both really 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 good at certain things. So like I said before, it's it depends on what you value more. Um, I, I I had Jonquil Jones second, but it was a very very close second, mostly for the reasons you said. Um, she is such a good rebounder and she is so well, good at quick, the quickly
1: do you do you mean second overall or second in yes. this tier with Asia no, okay, okay
0: second overall uh, like i said I, stuart was the clear number 1 for me but John cole jones i think this season she's really separated herself albeit barely um from the rest of the pack because for one i think she keeps getting better um i think her shot selection has been a lot better you know in the past uh, you've you've griped often about these uh about the turnaround jump shots, the turnaround two-point jump shots he takes a lot, and this this is this was a season in which I expected her efficiency to actually not be so good because she's playing alongside another conventional big and uh, Brianna Jones, but John Cole Jones is having perhaps the best season of her career actually, in a lineup that may, that we were both concerned about. You know how how would she how how would this uh, complement her, and she's responded by um, nailing the three-point shots that we know she can more consistently. Uh continuing to dominate the glass both offensively and defensively. And just I, I don't want to keep using the word, you know, you already you already stole it, undeniability. I think she has really embodied what the Sun want to do and, and how the Sun want to play successfully this season. They slowed down their pace. They they focus on defense and rebounding. And John Cole Jones has just been an enormous part of that. So when a player puts up really, really strong individual statistics, and those statistics are directly con- uh, contributing to significant team success. I think that player has a really, really good case as being one of the best players in the world. So, yeah, John Cole Jones, everybody,
1: and her ability to to really do it at either the four or the five. You know, that was something that, like you were saying, we we had some concerns whether stationing her next to uh, a pure paint-bound five would really be an effective option for the Sun. And you know, they made the finals in 2019 with her playing center almost exclusively, and now she's playing. You know, mostly the four. She, you know, they'll player at the five and, and some smaller lineups now, thankfully, but, um, yeah, that, that versatility as well. And I think, I think all, all three of these players, you know, have that versatility to play at the the four or the five, but it was a, a question, I think, in terms of like, do you, does Jones really have the floor spacing to kind of make that sustainable? And the answer has proven to be yes, I think.
0: Yeah. That, that was another big question is, is the sustainability for three-point shooting. And I hate to use the, um, I hate to use things that don't count as an example, but I mean, you really saw how good of a shooter. She was in the, in the three-point contest. Right. Uh, I kind of, kind of tongue in cheek there, but um, yeah. So then then I look across the aisle to Asia Wilson. Um, and like I said, this is a really difficult decision for me because um, Asia Wilson, I agree. She's, she does have the, she does have the undeniability and we have seen the evidence of her recently dragging a team to the finals surrounded by players that they don't like really don't really compliment her as well, and to me that's a huge factor in the discussion. In my opinion, she's just she's decidedly not as good as Stewart or Jones in several categories, mainly being dribbling and passing. But she just makes up for it by being one a really solid rebounder. You know, maybe not the best rebounder on this list, but a pretty darn good rebounder. Uh, never fouling, and conversely drawing a ton of fouls. Once again, she this is a player who embodies her team's success, mainly in controlling the follow game which is huge especially if you know your floor spacing isn't where you want it so you just uh beat the heck out of, uh, out of the other teams at the free throw line every game um yeah
1: and n- n- none of these other players are locks to give you eight to ten free throw attempts per game
0: per playoff game i should say like asia yeah. wilson is you know and she's knocking down 90 percent of them all of a sudden which is really impressive you know I, I think i think that's that's kind of regressive a little bit she was shooting what like 95 percent or something something silly from for the early part of the season that's that's going to regress a little bit but i mean if, if you are legit drawing that many fouls a game and you're and you're cashing in on them that is that is enormous and intangibly like you said i mean if if you're down if you're down one point if you're up one point whatever if, if you're if you're looking for a closer um who isn't a guard asia wilson might be the best player on this list
1: yeah i i would agree with that she's she's the go-to bucket getter late in games whether it is you know actually getting a field goal or, or getting to the line. And I think we have seen a bit of a leap in her, in terms of her playmaking this year, you know, it, it doesn't really jump out to you. And when, when you're looking at the stat sheet, you know, just three and a half assists per 36 minutes like that, that's not amazing, but I feel like she's, she's just kind of controlling the game a little bit better in terms of her passing decision-making. Uh, I, I think we've seen a little bit of a a leap there, some, some linear progress, I would say year over year, uh, and I do think she is a, a plus defender, but I, I think she might be the third best defensive player of the three players here. Not by much, but, you know, someone's got to be third.
0: Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I had in my nose, I had defensive playmaking question mark, because I think she is a really good defender, a really solid team defender. Um, of course, when you're comparing her to like John Cole Jones at defense, you know, if you have Jones, who's protecting the rim in most in most coverages, I think AJ Wilson can maybe do a little bit more. Not a ton more, like like uh, like. I don't think she's as versatile on defense as Brianna Stewart is, but she's going to do it really really well. You you don't see her make many mistakes. Um, she's pretty good at finishing defensive possessions with a rebound, and you know like like not, not not being out of position. You know, I think there's I think I don't think it's a coincidence that the Aces have had a really good defense over the past few seasons because largely because of Asia Wilson. Um, once again, never fouling which I think you can also relate back to, to what you said. Um, the game has kind of slowed down for her in, in the past couple of seasons, uh, which has not only increased her playmaking ability, but also increased her, you know, her patience on the defensive end. She's not making as many mistakes, not as not committing as many fouls. And once again, I, I can't overstate how important controlling the foul game is just in general, not, not even for the aces, um, but for Wilson in particular. So yeah, I, I think it's really close. I think Wilson has an argument as a second best player. Um, it's it's what you it's what you prioritize more yeah
1: now year over year you know she will uh have kind of the the lowest individual efficiency just from a scoring perspective you know she's at a career high 55 percent true shooting i think that would be a career low for any of these other players that we're talking about in this tier um and you know the obvious i guess kind of element that we haven't discussed yet is these other players can open the court for their teammates by spacing the floor so even Mm -hmm. if even if your own individual efficiency is even across the board, uh, which, which it's not, but you know it's in the same ballpark. So you know, for all intents and purposes, like it's easier for the other players around you if you can be effective from twenty-four feet rather than twenty feet. And I think that that has to kind of factor into the consideration a little bit.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, how much of that do you think is has to do with coaching?
1: I mean, not, know, not
0: not to make excuses or anything. I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, other players you know, take threes, you know, I mean, it's not like the, the aces shoot zero of them. They, they, ha- they employ, uh, a three point specialist essentially in Raquana Williams. So, um, I mean, I don't know, you know, obviously they, they don't take a ton of them. I'm sure it's the answer is some of it, you know, probably not all of it. Uh, maybe Wilson wants to be taking, you know, two or three a game, but, uh, she did kind of come in as, as a mid range savant and she definitely feels comfortable in
0: that area. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and the other thing I would say is that, um, compared to Stuart and Jones, those players came into the league with reliable three-point shots already. Um, and when you're a player like A.J. Wilson, like a high-volume player, a go-to player, it's going to be difficult to focus on extending your range all the way out there at the start of your career anyway. So, um, Okay, I, I think we're pretty set on our, on our top three players there, and you have a next tier coming up, right?
1: I do. Do you also have a next tier, or, or do you have someone else kind of with these two players?
0: No, I also have a next tier coming up.
1: Okay, so who is number four for you? This is kind of where I think we we both felt pretty good that we'd have the same top three, but who's number four for you right now?
0: I had Sylvia Fowles at number four, and this is once again, um, especially compared to the players I have immediately after her. This is once again prioritizing certain things over others. In my opinion, Sylvia Fowles is the best defensive player in the league still, you know, after all these years. Um, especially, you know, I, I say still. I, I think this is interesting because other players on this list may have had a case at other points in their respective careers, but Sylvia Fowles, the elder stateswoman on our, on our top 10 list, I I'm assuming, um, she's gone. She's taken her game from being not just a really physical, a re, not just a really physically imposing defender, but also a very disciplined one. Um, she's another player who I think you rarely see make defensive mistakes. She does all the little things such as, you know, uh, taking the right angles, um, on, on ball screens, uh, always tagging the rollers, little things like that. You know, you really see still out of position. Um, I think she's gotten better at, at, uh, you know, not committing fouls, not committing silly fouls, not taking herself out of the game. still could be better, but I mean, she's, she's how old now sometimes that's just the way players are. But, um, yeah, in my opinion, she's, uh, one of the few players in the league who can make who can individually make a defense. And then at the end of the court, she's, uh, she's paint bound as you like to say, She's back to the basket. Mostly gets her points from post-ups and offensive rebounds, but she's so darn efficient at it. Um, I can't really knock her for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also had Sylvia Fowles fourth. Okay. Um, and you know, maybe it is just great depth and great coaching, but this team is better both offensively and defensively when she sits, you know, defensively, I think that is kind of just more due to playing bench offenses like bench offenses in the WNBA tend to struggle to score, but offensively, I do think, even though she is literally the most efficient player in WNBA history, I, I do think there's something about her game that can kind of bog an offense down a little bit. You know, she obviously is a great finisher on the rim. She's a, a great paint presence, but um, you know, the the ball can kind of stop. She she's not really great out of at passing out of double teams or triple teams, and and she doesn't need to, right? She she's going to score a really great percentage um, in those opportunities, but you know, they, they do assist on a higher percentage of their baskets and and they turn the ball over less when she's not out there. And anecdotally, I feel like it kind of does line up a little bit, but you know, she's the best defensive player that, that I've ever seen play in the WNBA personally. Uh, I, it hasn't been that, you know, haven't been here since, since, since 97, obviously, but she's, she's, I agree with you that she is the best defensive player in the league. I think this is the most, important defensive position, you know, in, in basketball is, is what she does. And, you know, it's not just kind of guarding Liz Cambage down on the block, right? Like it's also uh, her, her master play in the pick and roll. Like, I think she's, she's the best in the league at playing the pick and roll two on two. She, cuts off perimeter players about as well as you can really ask for 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 a center uh, at her age so you know the the efficiency is definitely there I she's a very effective individual offensive player, um, do you think there's anything there to kind of you know what I was saying about the offense maybe just humming a little bit better sands fouls
0: yeah i i 1000 agree and this is something that i think has surrounded fouls for much of her career um watching her in chicago back in the day that was something that it, it, it just felt like the offense was bogging down not necessarily because of fouls but because they were trying to get her the ball so like they were making such a concerted effort to get the ball that it would stop you know it would stop her on the perimeter as, the, as players are looking for the entry pass or once she did get the ball i, I mean you know it wasn't it wasn't coming out uh like you said there there is reason for that it, you don't really care that much of a player who's shooting 70 something percent at the rim every year who doesn't pass out of double teams but i mean come on i i have to say that that sill is the, the worst passer out of all the bigs on this list <laughs> again not 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 that much of a knock because i have her at number 4 but
1: right um, we're talking about the fourth best player in the league here so you yeah, not that much different.
0: of a knock but i needed to say it um okay so we four four players in we still have not differed um who do you have at number 5
1: this might be the one where we uh, veer into different directions. I have Nafisa okay. Collier, um, okay. who I think is you know probably having the worst statistical season of her career. And there are definitely players below her who who have had a better case this season. But you know I am kind of trusting the the body of work overall for Collier. And a lot of her poor statistical resume is kind of just comes down to some cold shooting. You know she's twenty five percent from three. Uh, through the uh, through the Olympic break, um, she's also had you know the first the worst finishing at at the rim in the restricted area this season. Excuse me, but you know just defensively, I think whether you need someone to guard the perimeter, her help instincts have have like come so far in terms of being able to come over and block shots. You know she's not obviously the biggest. You know whether she's a, a four, you know she she can't really sometimes hang uh, strength wise. You know just guarding back to the basket, but Everything else, I I think, is a she's a near perfect player. I would say Uh, I I might have some qualms with how she's been utilized this season, uh, and also, you know, just kind of turning threes into long twos a lot. But you know, like Jewel Lloyd, for example, I think is having a better year. But I'm I'm trying not to be too reactionary because I think Nafisa Collier is just, you know, a a near perfect basketball player, especially as um, someone who can play multiple positions for you on both ends
0: and be really, really good at all those positions on both ends. I think it's an important distinction to to say, you know, just because a player can theoretically play multiple positions doesn't mean she's going to create advantages for you at each one of those positions. But Collier is a player who can do that. You're right. I do not have Nafisa Collier at number five, um, but she is a tremendous player. I, I don't disagree with much you said, uh, much of what you said, rather. The, the When I was thinking about Nafisa Collier on this list, the one question I had and the reason why I didn't rank her as high as you did was, um, can she be the best player on a championship team? You know, say, say the Lynx make the finals this year. Um, I could see Sylvia Fowles having one more dominant finals run in her. I'm not sure if I see defies Keller playing at that level yet.
1: Well, you know what? I think, I think I'm out of players that I think can be the best player on a championship team. Like I think, okay, we so won-
0: yeah, I right. disagree, but, but we can, we can, we can keep going that.
1: So who did you have at number five?
0: I had Brittany Griner. Okay. Um, maybe off brand for me. Um, I, I have not, I've honestly not been a huge fan of pretty grinder for several years now. Um, as if you've listened to this podcast at all, you'll you'll know why. Um, but I have to give her her due, uh, her rebounding has gone back to at least acceptable levels. Uh, I mean the per game numbers, she's averaging over nine rebounds a game. If if you look at the, uh, the rebounding rate, the percentages, it's, it's a little more in line with, you know, what her career norms are, but, um i think she is the one player who can give brianna stewart or elena uh, when she's healthy a run a a run for the title as being the best offensive player in the league Brittany Griner is a huge problem in the post because like you literally can't do anything except follow her when she catches the ball down low in the paint you can't really i mean you can double her but she's still going to shoot over you anyway or she's going to pass and find a good shot. You know, her, her numbers don't bear this out, but I think she's kind of an underrated passer. She's not the best passer out of the post. I would, I would agree I with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, she's very methodical about, about her game down low and that's something as a player, you know, that's a player who, you know, she came into the league. She wasn't really, um, she was thought of as being pretty raw, her offensive game. Uh, but as her game was developed, you know, she, first of all, she's got a ton of, of really effective low post moves but she's also become a lot better at diagnosing the defense and being patient with her post-ups, you know, finding the open player. And that's something like, I I know post-ups are, are becoming kind of, kind of old hat, but she's the one player in the WNBA. There might be a couple of others, but who I would feel comfortable building a post-up exclusive or not post-up heavy offense around just because she's so darn good at, it, and she's so far ahead of everybody else at that. It's like, it's still a really effective play for her. It's still a really effective play for the team. Um, Of course, I have to harp on, you know, her defense is, it's hit or miss. Um, She can still be kind of an adventure in, in, in pick and roll defense. And that's honestly the one thing that's keeping her separate from Sylvia Fowles for me is that for as disciplined as Sylvia Fowles has become on the defensive end, you still see Griner committing, you know, silly fouls, you know, away from the ball or reaching when she doesn't have to, not staying vertical. I mean, I still don't understand why breeding grounder can't just stay vertical all the time i mean she
1: she just never challenges vertical she never just jumps up with her arms jumps straight up with her arms raised up you know she always has to swat down it's one of the more maddening things about it's it's so maddening
0: it's so maddening because even like even if you don't have the foot speed anymore you can still be an effective defender just being in the right place at the right time and contesting well you know I, i like i hate to make uh nba uh references here but tim duncan later in his career you know, after his athleticism had, had had left him, he was still a really, really good positional defender and really, really uh, high basketball IQ on the defensive end. I mean,
1: Candace yeah. Parker. Candace Parker, I think, is the best player in the league yeah. at just going up vertically.
0: That's, that's another good, that's another great example. Um, WNBA reference as well. So thank you for that. Um, that's the one thing that's keeping me from saying Brittany Griner is one of the best three or four players in the world. But man, the way she scores, the way she can score the basketball, just like really anytime she wants is. I can't keep her out of my top five.
1: She she is easily, you know, one of the best offensive players in the world. I think I have her lower than you. I have her number seven and she's followed by a couple of other uh, true centers. And I do think she's probably the best defensive player out of that group, you know, because even if, you know, in space, it, it's not great. It doesn't look very good. She still probably has the most defensive presence down there. Like, People right. just don't want to challenge Brittany Grinder because they don't want to get their mm-hmm. shot thrown into the stands. And there's um, value in that. There is for sure. She was, I think, you know, her, her, and one other player I I have kind of towards the bottom of this list were the two um, players that that I had the most trouble kind of evaluating and, and figuring out where to put them. She, the team, is it is it Brittany Grinder a factor in it, or is it everything else? Like why this team has just kind of plateaued at you know a low end. Uh, playoff team, you know, maybe fighting for home court advantage in the first round type, type of team, you know, they, they are playing with an aging Diana Taurasi. They're playing with a very talented, but incompatible power forward. They're playing on an extremely shallow roster. Um, you know, would Brittany, this is kind of the question I, I've like said out loud to myself every day, you know, trying to put this list together, would Brittany Griner in a better scenario, still be like a championship caliber player, like the best player on a title team, the second best player on a title team. I think you would have to have a very, very specific roster construction around her. Um, But I do agree with you. Like, you know, she is definitely a floor raiser. Like she's one of the three or four best offensive players in the league. She she can't be guarded one-on-one. Like there's maybe one player in the league, Sylvia Fowles, who can actually just like slow her down in the post. Other than that, she's getting double teamed, right? She, you're, you're just not going to guard her with a single player, or she's just going to score on you every single time. And, and you know, she's at 625 true shooting. She's fifth in the league in true shooting, and she has over a 25% usage rate. Like, I think there are two players with that high of usage and that high true shooting. So she is, uh, thankfully for you, Eric, she, she's finally grabbing some offensive rebounds. Um <laughs> you know, she, she's not, she's never going to give you anything in transition. Like I think she has five transition possessions, but you know, she doesn't need to like the the guards can do that. Right. You don't really need, I mean, it's great if you have Asha Wilson and Brianna Stewart, uh, to kind of get out and run with you. Um, unfortunately that's just not, not Griner style play. Uh, so I, I do have her seven and I actually have her in the first uh, as the first player in the next tier down uh, with one other player between Collier and Griner. Um, but did you have anything else to to say about Griner?
0: Um, yes, I actually wanted to to plus one something you said that I actually had not considered. Uh, what does prettytty Griner look like on a championship team? and if you if you're looking for a player or a roster, a complementary roster that is very specific, I think that is a, a significant knock on a player um, because if they're such a good player, why, why did it, why do they need to be complemented in such a, such a specific way? You know? Um, so that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah.
1: You need essentially a four that can kind of make up for her lapses defensively, but can also give you something, you know, even if it's not floor spacing, bombing away from three, at least has like a face-up game. So there's some kind of threat out there. Um, so, so the, the options there, I think are pretty limited. Um, but you know, she's a great player, I think. Uh, so, so, so basically,
0: you, basically, God help us all if she and Brianna Stewart team up. Like
1: <laughs> yeah, or uh, I mean, even you know Natasha Howard, you could see fitting next to the four or something like that. Uh, maybe Neka Gulmukay. Yeah. Um, but um, so, who did you have for number six?
0: Okay, number six, I had Liz Cambage, and this is another case of, I mean, this <sighs> for some reason I just haven't seen it all come together for Liz Cambage in the past couple seasons. Uh, of course, not not counting twenty twenty because she didn't play. Um, and I think, and that I have to hold that against her. You know, I, I mean, she's undeniably one of the most talented players in the world. I think she's, she's got both the size and the skill, maybe a, a combination of which maybe no other player in this list has like, she's, she's low key, like a good passer and she's pretty skilled with the ball in her hands. But for one, um, they have a really hard time playing her like more than 30 minutes a game. And that's, that's not good. But it's like, at the same time, I I just can't justify having her any lower than sixth, because she is, um, for one, she's she's another player who's basically unguardable one on one, another player who's really really good at drawing fouls, and she will, she will go off, if if the situation is right. You know, I think I think there was a lot of diminishing returns with both her and Asia Wilson on the floor. It, it seems to me that Kim Beige is the one whose individual statistics have taken a hit rather than Wilson's, which I think is interesting. Um, but I don't know. I I, I, I can still see Cambege If she has a team quote unquote to herself, I still can see a team like that being a championship contender. Maybe not in this case, maybe like it, she's probably the second or third best player on the aces at this point. But if, if it so happens that she hypothetically lands on a different team, um, that's another floor raising, as you like to say, it scenario, and I could see a championship team being built around Liz campaign.
1: Yeah. But the other thing is like, she's also not, you know, to, to quote, uh, LeBron James from back in the day, she's not fitting out, right? Like she's not sabotaging this ACEs team. They, they are awesome when she's on the court, uh, her and Asia Wilson, you know, despite what, uh, the Asia diehards may think, like they are, they're fitting together. I think perfectly well, you know, they, they complement each other fairly like you know it, it's not perfect it's not Brianna Stewart and Natasha Howard out there offensively but they're both of those players are are so good in their own rights that uh you know this team is is still able to be such a good offense and and Liz uh is a huge part of that you know being insanely efficient she, you know she's right at 60 percent true shooting or or a hair under it um you know eighth all time in true shooting she she's great on the boards you know her Uh, defense it's far from perfect, I think, but I think I'm a little bit higher on her defense than some other people. Um, you know, is, is she great kind of guarding pick and rolls or or getting out on the perimeter on switches or, you know, defending Tina Charles at the three-point line? Like that's a tough ask for anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think she's, she's going to be a part of a team that can, you know, realistically expect to compete for a championship. And I I think we'll win the championship as, uh, what I would consider their second best player. So, so I had her a couple spots lower than you. I had her eighth, you know, the low minute totals I think were a factor, the the inconsistencies defensively. Um, you know, the the shot uh choices are not always great, but you know, every star player is going to take bad shots, you know. We right, right, we'll right. say that probably about every single player that that we talk about. Um, but yeah, th- this for this team and all its depth and all the great players they have and, and the the reigning MVP and and the point God, uh, you know, they are way better with Liz Cambage on the court than with her off the court. And, you know, not all those players can, can say the same thing.
0: Okay. Let me ask you something. Defensively, where would you rank Cambage among the players you've already mentioned?
1: Among the players we've already mentioned, I would rank her.
0: Among the centers. How about that?
1: um, I mean, I would rank her last among the players that we've already mentioned. And, and ahead of the next, the the ninth player the player right behind her tina charles so i okay. i think i mean do you think she's better than grinder i mean i think it, it is maybe situational but neither of them maybe. are in great
0: shakes maybe um i think griner is a greater rim deterrent than beige which ultimately tips tips the scale in grinder's favor yeah I, cam cambage I, yeah. cambage I think is maybe a little more disciplined on defense maybe moves her feet a little bit better like it, she'll Greiner, certainly
1: commit less dumb fouls, I think
0: yes, that I, I would definitely agree with you on that. I mean she's far from a defensive stopper, but I mean it's not like she's she's getting eaten alive out there. uh maybe this season she's been a little poorer on the defensive end than I'm used to because i'm I'm pretty sure in, in 2019 she was rated as, as as a plus defender,
1: yeah, I thought she was a really really effective defender in in 2019. Uh, A little bit of a step back this year, but I mean, the aces, you know, haven't missed a beat defensively with her out there, you know, so.
0: No, and that's, I think that's, that's another big part of it. Um, As we say, defensive, uh, as far as positions, like defensive importance center is is right up there and uh, she's definitely not, not hurting them. That's for sure. So, um, okay. Uh, who did you have at six?
1: My number six player, uh, the first true perimeter player, I think we're getting to on this list, uh, Jewel Lloyd, Uh, a a player I'm sure has made your list in some capacity, but it uh, looks like I have her a, a little bit higher. And and a part of this is just talent versus replaceability. You know, Jewel Lloyd obviously can play with any of these players, but being such an effective uh, perimeter player, you know, we've already talked about, what, six, five or six centers already. And and uh, so the, your, your likelihood of having one of those dominant centers compared to uh, a guard of Jewel Lloyd's caliber, it, it's just much more likely that that you'll get a great big rather than someone like Jewel Lloyd. And, you know, she's had some monster games just this past week as the number one option. And, you know, both of those games, you saw her slow down a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, But even as a number one option, I think on a reasonable team, which this team was not, you know, I think most teams where she would be the best player would have, you know, more talent than the storm team sans burden Stewart. Um, So I, I don't really think you could, take anything away from this past week, other than, you know, the overwhelmingly positive kind of what we saw before she ran out of steam. Um, And outside of that, you know, she's just the perfect wing player in a lot of ways. She's, she's giving you all league caliber defense, two years running. Now she can create for herself. She can create a a little bit for others. You know, she's having a, a pretty good pick and roll season, you know, not amazing Uh, 67th percentile overall, but um, you know, she can. She can be effective on ball creating, and she's a great floor spacer. And, and aside from, you know, being a better defensive player than let's say like Benajel Laney, like what makes her a more valuable player is that she fits in better as a second option. And I think mm-hmm. being, being an elite second option is more valuable than being like a B plus level level first option where, you know, maybe you aren't as effective with, uh, off the ball. Uh, and Jewel Lloyd is, is insanely effective off the ball. If you aren't a high usage player in the league, you know, if you aren't the best high usage player in the league, you have to be able to be effective off the ball. And, and Lloyd is, you know, a career 37% three-point shooter since her third year in the league with a very dynamic off-ball game. You know, some of those elevator actions that they were running in the Liberty game, uh, I guess it was yesterday as we we're recording this, where she's, you know, just flying off screens and firing away uh, I mean, a, a lot of players just don't have that element in her game, and especially a lot of players that can do what Lloyd can do
0: on ball. That's a really interesting point. Last night, I was actually I was actually thinking about uh, what makes Ailey Quigley such a good shooter, and a lot of it is her movement off the of basketball, her ability to relocate and, you know, come up ready to shoot. There aren't many players in the WNBA who can rival Quigley in that regard. I think Jewel Lloyd might be one of them. Uh, Cause you can run plays like that for her and, and she, she can rise and fire. She can lose her defender trailing and she could just rise and fire before they can recover. But um, yeah, you made a good case. I, I did have Lloyd, Lloyd on my list. So don't fret. Um, she also, she's also the first perimeter player on my list. I think it's, I think it's safe to say she's the best perimeter player in the league right now. Um, certainly the best, well, mm, sir, I, I'm going to say she's the best two way perimeter player in the league. You, you might disagree on that some others might disagree on that but it's you laid out a really good case for jewel um the one thing that the one thing that i am still concerned about with her is like you you address this but her ability to be the best player in a championship team yes the past two games have been kind of extreme in that regard in that she her efficiency has you know i mean she she shot very poorly against this guy that one game and then against the liberty she was absolutely on fire for three quarters and then did nothing in the fourth quarter. So she kind of ran out of steam there. Um But those are also kind of the games themselves are kind of anomalous. You know, you had the sky game that went to overtime, a game in which the storm maybe shouldn't have even had a business sending to overtime and then the Liberty in which, you know, the storm blew. What was it like a 15 point lead or something like that? So neither result is going to happen every day. So I don't think you can hold Lloyd exclusively accountable for that. And then I thought, well, as as, as you were saying this, I thought, well, what if Sky fans like to think about this? What if Lloyd comes home next season and shes the, and she comes to the sky and she's the best player on the sky? Would that be okay? Hell yeah, that'd be okay. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so so maybe maybe that uh, concern of mine is it, it was a little overblown. Concerning defense, you said you don't want to take much from those, those past two games. I will take one thing, and that is Jewel Lloyd's defense is absolutely incredible. Uh, when I when I saw her play against the sky, um, my, my jaw was on the floor she has just become such an incredible defender. So, so, so active. And she's still like, she's maybe she's in the athletic primer. She hasn't lost a step athletically. She's one of the most explosive guards in the league. And, but her ability to just get out in the passing lanes, and force turnovers and just be a you don't usually see like high usage perimeter players like Lloyd or medium usage or, or whatever the scenario is also give that consistent effort. And their consistent defensive playmaking. You
1: don't have to worry about regular season intensity with Jewel Lloyd. Like she's, she's brought it.
0: No, no, consistent. no. Um, Not at all. So, I mean, so where did you have her? In, like last two games, like the storm. I'm sorry. Oh, I said, where did you have her? I had Jewel Lloyd eighth and I, I, I wouldn't have a problem if I bumped her up to seventh or sixth, honestly speaking with you. Um, that's a very good argument you made by the way about replaceability. Cause we are talking what we've been talking about almost nothing but centers up until now. Whereas, Jewel, I mean, like, like like I said, I think it's pretty clear she's the best wing player in the league. So
1: yeah. Did you have anything else to say about Lloyd or should we move on to your your next player?
0: Uh we can move on to my next player. My next player um might be a little reactionary here, but I had Tina Charles at number seven. Um okay,
1: so 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 far we have all the same players in the list, they're just in in different orders.
0: Oh, different right? Okay, yeah, that, that is interesting. Uh so we're kind of on the same wavelength here. Tina Charles to me is another player who I haven't been a huge fan of in the past, but this season has done a lot to alleviate some of those concerns. First part, um, she has become a legitimately good three-point shooter, which, you know, in the past she's shown flashes of it, but you know, that it's, it was the long twos that were kind of holding her individual efficiency back. And for a player who is as good around the rim and in the low post as Tina Charles is, that wasn't really a shot. We wanted to see her taking all the time. Now that she's extended her range out to the three point line and she's taking several of them per game and hitting them at a pretty good clip. You know, I I was thinking about this and I was thinking, okay, so what if Asia Wilson becomes a three point shooter and, you know, she ends up taking two or three three pointers a game? How are defenses going to react to that versus how are defenses reacting to Tina Charles shooting threes? Defenses are now looking at Tina, they're now looking at Tina Charles beyond the three point line and they're saying, oh, shoot, somebody lost Tina. Not at, not rather than, rather than saying okay well you know let let her shoot that you know what i'm saying so she's become like a legitimately respected three-point shooter out there and that's huge in the development of her game and then the scoring i mean i know the mystics aren't a good team and this is something i, I tend to not put too much stock in players putting up gaudy individual stats on bad teams but to me that's not you can't hold charles accountable for this at all um She's just been such like, what is her usage rate right now? It's gotta be through the roof.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's over 30% comfortably. And um, I think she, she's still leading all time in, in points per game. Uh, last, last I checked before the coming into the break, she was averaging more points than any other player in league history. And her usage is a uh, 33%, 33 yeah, and a half percent. Yeah, which
0: is, I uh, mean, she's always been a high usage player, but now that she's added the three point shot to her arsenal, And she's another player who I player who I think is is uh, her passing is a little underrated because she she can uh, throw some good passes out there to find you know corner shooters or what have you, which Washington has taken advantage of. But I don't know, man. There's something about Tina Charles play this season. Maybe it's the three point shot. Maybe it's maybe it's the usage plus the efficiency. Um, To to put it into
1: context, Tina Charles is at thirty three and a half percent usage, and no other player
0: is uh, above twenty nine. Wow. Okay. So yeah, that's that's huge. That, That that that's huge. Um, it's not necessarily translating a team success, but I mean,
1: but they are the Mystics are like dreadful when she's off the floor. So I mean, she, yeah. it is I think kind of the quintessential like floor razor ceiling razor conversation. Like there are players who we haven't talked about yet who I think it's easier to fit into a championship team perhaps. Um, and I think, I mean, you you asked me this a couple of players ago, but it's out of the players we've talked about, like where does Tina Charles rank defensively?
0: Yeah, that's what I was getting to. Um. The worst. Yeah, it's... I think she's worse than Cambage. I think she's worse than Grinder on defense. Um, Maybe not fundamental. Like, I don't think there's anything she just does that's bad, but she just doesn't have the, the... One, the mobility, two, the playmaking. The things that you look for in a good defensive post or a good defensive big. I mean, I think she's adequate, but she's I, not going to... I think you would have a
1: hard time being a championship level defense with Tina
0: Charles as your center. Well, that's another thing like, like historically speaking, um that's this is kind of the knock on Tina Charles, right? She she's put up huge usage rates, huge points per games. Um but she hasn't she hasn't led a team to a championship yet. I, like I don't know. Sometimes I sometimes I think that that argument is is kind of goofy, but um can Tina Charles be the best player on a championship team this year? Well, the way they're playing right now they're not they're not even gonna uh, get, a, get a shot at this championship but if Elena Deladon comes back will Tina Charles be the best player how will Tina Charles adjust those are questions I think you know those I think are legitimate questions and as as such I think that's why I can't put her any higher than seven but if you ask me before the season what my player ranking would be she wouldn't be in my top 10 so this is this is a positive development.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. She's also on the list for me. She is the highest player that I have not talked about. So she is, she's number nine for me, okay. Um, you know, kind of third in line in tier three right behind Griner and Cambage. So seven, eight, nine, I have uh, Griner, Cambage and Tina Charles. Um, and I think, you know, I started out doing this list and, and Charles was considerably higher. But then, you know, I just, as I was kind of doing some more research and putting together my cases for each of these players, like I I just trust just about all these players, you know, their championship upside a little bit higher than Tina Charles, even though she is having a great statistical season, you know, I I think, you know, there are probably players higher on this list that maybe wouldn't be doing the, the, I'm sorry, the Mystics, maybe wouldn't even be having the limited success that they're having. with those players instead of Tina Charles, uh, because I think Charles is, you know, a classic floor raiser. Um, but you know, the questions of, of being a ceiling raiser and kind of getting to that next uh and and it's not even so much that she hasn't won a championship. I just I think the the situation around her being a championship uh contributor is, is very um specific. You know, maybe she could do it, you know, with with Elena Deladon and, and stuff like that. But it would I would imagine if if an Elena Deladon infused mystics team were to be a serious title contender, it would be because Elena Deladon is is back to being one of the yeah. the two or three best players in the world. You know yeah, what I mean? I agree. Um, so, I mean, Tina Charles, like uh, a player that I have historically doubted several times and, and um, she'll continue to, to make me eat crow probably, but uh, you know, this is a bottom four defense, you know, defense, I think, uh, relies on the center position more than any other Position and and it's not like they have amazing you know Teresa on starts for this team most of the season and and the the better option is Maisha Hines Allen who's also not you know some all world defensive player you know but they do have you know Cloud and Atkins and and a couple good defensive players so for them to be um, you know bottom four and it, it's not like they're they're any better with Charles on the on the court defensively than they are with her off so yeah I, it's it's uh Props to her for, for kind of proving me wrong this season. And, and she deserves to be on this list, but I couldn't go really any higher once I kind of laid out the case for everyone else.
0: Okay. So you have your seven through nine, right? You, you said your are seven through nine.
1: Yeah. I th- are, are you still a player behind me?
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm several players behind you then. Um, okay. So I had Juliet at number eight, but like I said, I you, I could go as high as, as six with her. Um, once again, now, now that you brought up the replaceability argument, I think that's, That's a very, very compelling argument, actually. I'm going to have to think about that one. Um, Number nine, I had Candace Parker. And did you have Candace Parker on your list? I did not have Candace Parker on my list. Oh, I understand why. I understand why. This season has, uh, individually, it's like she's almost been a little underwhelming, right? Uh, I mean, I think, I I can't really even put
1: that on Candace Parker necessarily because I I still feel like she's kind of doing the things I expected her to, you know, all the people that thought like, Courtney VanderSloot and Candace Parker was going to be like this dynamic pick and roll combination. Like I never really, you know, Candace Parker hasn't really done that in in a long time, you know? So, so the things that I thought Candace Parker was going to bring, I still feel like she's bringing uh, in some respects, except for maybe like kind of just being that second creator. Um, But, you know, I think she's been okay there. I mean, what has, has there been any specific areas to you as a Sky fan that she's disappointed?
0: Um. I think I'd like to see her be more aggressive offensively. And I don't know if this is just coaching because, but I just see like a lot of, she's just involved in a lot of dribble handoffs up top. And she's not really, they, they don't really lead to her taking a shot. And when the team is struggling, like, like they have been offensively, like basically the entire season, um, that's when I look to my my max contract player and I say, okay, you need to take over or you need to do, to create a shot here. it's It's really interesting to think about this guy, like, where does Candace Parker rank if you're just turn, talking about offense? Is hmm. she their best offensive player? I don't think so.
1: No, I mean, Alec I like
0: their second best offensive her. player. It, it's like, you know, she it's really interesting to think about because she, she fills such a needed void for this sky team um, without being a factor on offense for, for, for much of the game.
1: Yeah. And, and it, that just, it, it really does really kind of feel like, me. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It does kind of feel uh, like she's been, you know i said that she hasn't been playmaking necessarily and i still think that's true but i i feel like she's been kind of relegated to floor spacer and facilitator you know kind of running those dribble handoffs what without really kind of like adding like there's no uh value add in in kind of her her passing element of this offense It's, it seems like in a lot
0: of ways well not not with what she's doing i mean like y- yeah exactly. handoffs it's like it's like whatever it's very very basic action um but I need to start talking about the positive things because I ranked her number nine. Um, like you said before, she is a really, really intelligent and fundamentally sound defensive player. That much is obvious, even though it's interesting the sky were a good defense without her as well. But um, she just takes her defense to the next level uh with her verticality, her she's a really good communicator on defense, which I don't think th- that that's an intangible thing, but that's definitely not something you can just you can discount completely. Um, she can both roam and defend one-on-one. So her versatility and defense is still maybe, maybe not what she once was on that end, but, um, she, she can still, you know, roam, make a play, get a rebound and make a pass up the court all in the same, you know, all in the same all in one fell swoop. Uh, and that's, that, that's very impressive to watch. I think offensively, she still does provide some value. It, it, you, you can't just totally discount Candace Parker. Um, maybe doesn't like run the floor, like a gazelle, like she used to, but she is still a great passer for her position. Um, She can still take and make some bailout shots. Again, maybe not so much as she used to. I'm just having a really hard time leaving Candace Parker out of my top 10 based on the impact that she's made on this guy overall, maybe individually speaking, her production has been a little disappointing for me, but her effect on the team itself has been undeniable. And I know, I know what you're going to say next. What about Allie Quigley? And what about Stephanie Dolson? Yes. What about Allie Quigley? What about Stephanie Dolson? I agree. But the fact remains the sky are just a much better team with Candace Parker.
1: I mean, they are, they are, they're, they're a, a top four defense. They're, they never would have been a top four defense if Candace Parker did not come over to, uh, to the sky. But the other thing is, you know, they have disappointed offensively. I, I don't know you could really assign that to Candace Parker necessarily, but the defensive improvement is kind of exactly what you needed to see from them. Um, You know, they're, they're not, uh, an, an amazing rebounding team which i think that was another thing where you were kind of hoping mm-hmm. um candace parker would bring that to them so so i have a tier of you know seven or, or so players i guess maybe maybe it's nine players as tier three that goes from seven and i ranked it all the way to 16 and uh candace parker i, I had her 15 you know we're only going to 10 here but so she was definitely in the consideration for me um this season i think was a little bit too limited i I would say in terms of her you know what she's brought particularly offensively um for me to to go there uh i i love candace parker candace parker is you know the reason i started watching the wmba um but for me you know she i hope she kind of you know uh, really turns it up in in the playoffs and this the sky make a run fueled by candace parker but i couldn't have her uh, above some of these other players
0: okay uh, just to get myself an out here after number eight I was I was kind of stuck after Charles and Lloyd I was like uh, should I include Parker should I include Collier should I include Atkins Chelsea Gray VanderSloot? um so I agree like after you hit a certain point in these rankings it's it's tough it, it's, a it's, lot it's... of
1: these players become eye of the beholder
0: yeah yeah so I'm not I'm not surprised you disagree there um who do you have as your as your 10th player
1: are, are you at 10 as well you'll, you'll say you're yes at okay. So I have Ariel Atkins okay. um, who I think, you know, if, if I go even probably the next five deep Atkins is going to give you the least kind of individual offense in terms of like self-creation and stuff like that. You know, she, she's improved as a playmaker. She's improved as a self-creator, but uh, I, I kind of mentioned this with the Jewel Lloyd piece, but I think it it applies even more to Ariel Atkins. You know, she's on this list because to me it is more valuable to be an A plus second or third player than to be, you know, a, a, a number one option, you know, a Skylar Diggins-Smith who um, can can get her own buckets efficiently, but, you know, she doesn't bring any defense or something like that. Ariel Atkins outside of creation really is a player with with no flaws to her game.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, she, she has reliably been a, a, a good floor spacer throughout her career. She's, in my opinion, you know, maybe the best perimeter defensive player Uh, both on the ball and as a help defender. I mean, she's such a valuable help defender and you can also just put her on your team's best player. Um, So, you know, she she has real limitations. You know, she's not a player that's going to get all the way to the rim, you know, less than 15% frequency there. And the opportunities she does get, it'll be from, you know, a nice timely cut or turning defense into offense or maybe sneaking in for an offensive rebound if the defense falls asleep. You know, she's not getting there from pick and roll or, or something like that but she can attack a closeout and and kind of make the defense pay from the the mid range to the floater range. Um, You know, like I said, she has improved her playmaking. Uh, So, you know, she's, she's a great floor spacer. She's the best and maybe most versatile perimeter defender in the league. Um, And it's, it's just extremely easy to build a championship team if you have Ariel Atkins, because she can credibly guard one through three. Um, She's uh, a help presence, as I mentioned, and, and she, you know she can do what you need her to do offensively, unless you're really kind of needing some playmaking burden out of her.
0: I think the playmaking is the reason that Ariel Atkins did not make my top ten, but I might be overrating that a little bit because, as you said, she's just so good basically everywhere else. um And and you don't need to be a good playmaker. You don't need to be a good dribble or dribble and finish. You don't need to put a ton of pressure on the rim to be a really good basketball player. Um, so just as we're talking about like, you know, it, it, Tina Charles may not. Tina Charles has, has been great at everything except for defense. Or Brittany Griner has been great at everything except for defense. Or Sylvia Fowles has been great at everything except for passing. Um, like Ariel Atkins being great at everything except for for dribbling. That like that's that's not a that's not a huge knock on her game at all because she's and, so. And she's
1: also like you know not she's not she's, she's... Oh, sorry. She's not Shakina Strickland out there. Like she can attack a closeout. Yeah. Yeah. She can.
0: Yeah. But I mean like, like driving and kicking or, or driving and and, and setting up someone else or maybe even like, I don't know. Would you say she's a good, a good finisher off the dribble or no?
1: I mean, I I think she can't, she's like an effective kind of two dribble pull-up finisher. She's not necessarily kind of finishing over size at the rim. I don't think.
0: So like a two level score. I mean, which, which is fine, which is perfectly fine because like you said, she's, she's great at everything else. And what she's great at is such a value is, so valuable to a good basketball team uh, in that elite perimeter defense, um, elite uh, defense in that she can guard multiple positions effectively. And then of course, being just an excellent three-point shooter as well. So yeah, nope, no qualms for me. So who is number 10 for you? Uh, I had to Collier at number 10. Um, maybe this is a little low. You know, I know you had her all the way at number five, and I think we disagree on this. Um, maybe it's it's recency for me. Um, and that Collier has had her fair share of offensive struggles this season. What what was, this, what was this, the, the deciding factor for me keeping her on my top 10 was defensive versatility because even when her offense is slumping, even when her three-point shot is not falling, um, she's still a heck of a defensive player and very, very fundamentally sound, as we've said only about a thousand times on this podcast. Um, she can defend basically anywhere. She can defend in basically any scheme. Even though the numbers may not bear it out. Um, like I'm, I'm still taking the Fisa Collier on my team for, for playing defense. There's no doubt about that. And she can, like I said before, when you are talking about her, you can put her at several positions and she can create advantages at each of those positions. It's not just playing her at several positions for the heck of it. Yeah. You it's- can get by. It, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's like not, you're just getting by. It's saying, okay, well, this person's out there. We're putting fee at the three this time to take advantage of this player in this way, or we're putting feet at the four this time to take advantage of this defender, or maybe even radically we're putting fee at the five. We're going really small and we're running the opposing team off the court. You know, like she can, she can lead your team in so many different ways. None of them are going to stick out. Really? None of them are going to be that flashy. And that's, I, I think maybe a, a reason why Nafisa Collier doesn't have the, uh, isn't the, it doesn't like raise a ton of eyebrows. as like a, this, this super high ceiling player, but what she does so well, I think is, is a little underappreciated her well-roundedness on defense and her versatility on both ends of the floor. So as a complimentary player, she's one of the best as a star. I don't know if I'd call her a star, um, but top 10, I don't think is, is unreasonable at all. So.
1: So I think there is a uh, one glaring omission from you uh, as a sky fan.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Did did you
1: have any consideration for uh, Courtney Vandersloot?
0: There was consideration. Uh, There was consideration for Vandersloot for Atkins and for Chelsea gray on on my end. One of the reasons I took Collier over Vandersloot was, well, I mean, this isn't going to make a lot of sense because I just, I just knocked Collier for this, but um, Vandersloot, I think this season in particular, she hasn't really been looking for her own offense enough, you know? And this is something you've brought up plenty of times is, how many times has has a bad sky offensive possession had a, a wide open vandersloot with the ball on the perimeter and she just like didn't shoot it or she or she shot faked and, and, and passed it to somebody else or she wasn't being assertive on offense. And this that's disappointing me because I know Courtney Vdersloot can score. So I don't know, I, I think her defense is is okay she's been generating a ton of steals. She's been really active on defense this season. So that's, I don't know. It depends on how much value you put on that as, you know, a point guard who's going to be at the top of the most at the top of the key. A lot of the time, anyway, to get into position for a lot of those steals. Um, you know, if if I go back and do it again, maybe I put Vanderson in my top 10, but it's definitely not clear for me. I think Collier is by far the better two-way player. And at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what put her in there. Was there any, uh, consideration for Vandersloot for you?
1: Oh yeah. She, so I have her number 11. She, you know, this uh, it it is, I think still even having her that high is a little bit of kind of a reputation nod. You know, I I don't think she's been one of the best 10 players this season, but I mean, she's, she's Courtney Vandersloot, right? She does things that no other players can do, but the thing is like, she's she's not driving efficient offense in the way that Courtney Vandersloot usually does, even if Mm -hmm. she's not scoring herself. And, you know, maybe that's just being dragged down by some, some other factors on this roster. Um, But this team's offense is so reliant on Allie Quigley and not Courtney Vandersloot uh, that, you know, if she's not the one kind of leading efficient offense, then, you know, what, what is the value that she's bringing? Obviously she's a valuable player and, and, I have her number 11, but, um, yeah, I, I considered a, a few other players, um, uh, Sloot, uh, Natasha Howard, I, I considered, you know, I think I just have to see a full season outside of Seattle before kind of really vaulting her ahead of some of these other, other players. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, I considered briefly Chelsea gray, you know, just another season where, Uh, another dip in the true shooting. Like this is the third time in four seasons with the exception being the bubble season where Chelsea Gray is posting a career low in true shooting and posting a career low in free throw attempts and posting a career low in proportion of shots around the restricted area. So, you know, it's just, and that she her three-point attempt rate is also down. So everything is just kind of being shrunk to that mid-range area of the floor where, you know, it's fine, but, you know, she's a below average, uh, a below league average True shooting player right now at fifty percent true shooting. So, uh, you know the the assists look cool, and and she's uh, a valuable defensive player, and you know definitely a, a great highlight player. But just a little bit outside of that kind of top echelon of of you know you know top ten players
0: we're talking about here. Real quick regarding Vandersteen driving efficient offense, that is a very interesting discussion because last season, if if you look at her assists, I mean she's still by a country mile leading the league in assists, not that far off of last season. But last season, you got the impression that she was driving this guy's efficient offense and to talk about Ellie Quigley. That was kind of a down year for Quigley. So that was like a, when, with the discussion last year, I mean, she was an MVP consideration because the, the, the discussion was, you know, imagine how bad this guy would be without Vandersloot or look at these on off numbers for Vandersloot this season. I mean, she's, getting the assist, but you're right. It just doesn't feel like maybe it's because the offense itself hasn't been, hasn't been very efficient. Now, whether or not that's VanderSloot's quote unquote fault is, is a completely different story. Um, Cause I think there's plenty of blame to go around there, but that is, that is perplexing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, you know, she's also having her own individually, you know, her worst offensive season from an efficiency standpoint in, in quite a while um, since uh, I guess, you know, that finals team essentially. Um, and you know, you can, you can just like steals, you know, you can get nine assists off nine good plays and, and right. not be an effective player that I don't think that's the case. I, I do think it's probably a little bit of the case with the steel numbers, but, um, you know, the, you, you gotta think, you know, if this is a specific number, you know, it's happening nine times or, or for steals, it's happening twice a game. Like, okay, but what are the other defensive possessions look like? And, and it's not necessarily Ariel Atkins out there, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's. A limited defensive player um but you know maybe maybe when uh as this team kind of figures out what lineup combinations they they want to go with it'll be a little bit easier for the sky to be an efficient offense but it, it still still seems like a lot of juggling and except in those quigley dolson or quigley heber lineups like the sky just can't score
0: yeah. It's, it's really, and again, like heading back to last season, it's, it's not like the roster was overhauled that heavily either. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a little disappointing as a fan, but um, it makes for a good discussion and discussion like these.
1: Uh, anything else you want to hit on? We, we've gone through our list here.
0: You, you did bring up an Uh I think you asked me, is, is she considered in your top 10 or something like this? Um, and I said pretty quickly, no. Um, and I wanted to clarify why. That shot diet is not good at all.
1: Yeah, and it's looking more and more like the three-point shooting last year was an anomaly. She's down to you know thirty-one percent this year, and she's just turning down a lot of nice, clean, open threes to take two dribbles and and step into a long contested two. Um,
0: Which know, is weird because this Liberty coaching staff wants them to get up as many three-point shots as, as they can. So I don't understand that.
1: It certainly seems like she is seeking out star shots, you know the high difficulty turnaround fade away type shots uh you know she has a certain stature in the league now, and maybe she thinks her shot diet should reflect that or or I'm sure there's some level to of subconscious to it, but you know she just isn't she's she's able to kind of knock some of them down, obviously you know she's still having a decent efficiency season, but it's it's trending in the wrong direction because her shot diet is trending in the wrong direction
0: and also um the, the playmaking—I mean, I think she thinks she's a decent playmaker, but she's still turning the ball over way too much for me.
1: Yeah, it was um, the this last game with uh, against the storm with their uh, with their their uh, Olympians out or, or two thirds of their USA Olympians out, I should say. You know, she had eight assists, I think, and it still felt like there were just so many bad decisions in terms of her her creating for others. Um, it it really felt like a pretty rough. Benajelani game. I I felt like, you know, for, for uh, a 17, eight and seven or whatever it was, it it did not feel like she was contributing uh, consistently positive throughout the game, particularly the floor game wasn't great, particularly in the fourth quarter, you know, just a a lot of bad, poorly executed passes and and poorly executed decisions and and kind of losing her handle and stuff like that. But, you know, she's, for me, she was still in consideration. She's, she's having a great year, but things seem to be trending downward. And
0: I don't think if we were to, if we were to say before the season, like we're a little worried about, you know, can Laney repeat the success she had in Atlanta or after the first few weeks of the season saying like, can Benajelani repeat the, or, or keep up this, this level of efficient scoring, we like carrying a team scoring. You know, I mean, I, I think that, that would have been a fair concern. And even if, even if she regresses a little bit more than stays there, that's ultimately fine because that's still leaps and bounds of where she was a couple of years ago, you know, and, and I don't think the Liberty, I mean, I'm not going to put words in their mouth, but the best version of this Liberty team does not look, does not have Benaja Laney as their, as their quote unquote star player. You know, well, there's still, but that's
1: kind of my concern is, you know, if this is the game that she wants to play, does she, you know, what does that look like with Natasha Howard really, you know, humming along in the mm-hmm. league and, and, you know, if we ever get an improved uh, an improved Sabrina Unescu, you know, if if Laney is at some point going to be, you know, a 1B or a 2 next to, you know, the player that they gave the full Supermax to in Natasha Howard, this Laney that we've seen in the past, you know, 10, 12 games or whatever is is not really a great fit in terms of, you know, being able to space the floor around another great right. player.
0: Right, those those dribble two point jumpers are, are not a great fit alongside uh, Howard or UNESCO. But I think that's uh, that's probably gonna do it for us, right?
1: Yep. Thank you all for listening. I, I hope you all have as much fun listening to this one as we did recording it because this, yeah. this is this a, a good one and we got some some fun discussion here. But uh, if you want to support the show, please uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review. It would really mean a lot to us wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple. Spotify, or Google. Uh, You can follow us on social media at double down WNBA at Nemchak E for Eric's personal account at Trinkwald for mine. And uh, we will speak to you next week.
0: Take care, everybody.